Welcome to The Breakaway, a Sacramento Republic podcast. Banded in the box! Unbelievable strike! <laughs> My goodness, what a defensive play! Half the crowd can't even believe it! Welcome in Sacramento Republic FC fans to another edition of The Breakaway Match Week edition. And it's a good, it's a good one. We get to talk to color commentator, former MLS player, Kevin Goldthwait. Kevin, talk to me, my friend. I mean, I know you weren't calling the game on Saturday. It's been a huge week for Republic. Uh, what were your thoughts on Saturday? And also, th- thanks for coming on. We've been trying to have you on for a while, so it's, it's good to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, first of all. Um, excited to be here. I think, you know, the last, uh, you know, probably seven to ten days for Sacramento, for the Republic, has been a, a pretty good little spell here. You know, three games, nine points. Um, you know, what else can you ask for? And also three goals in 45 minutes in the first 45 minutes uh, at that on the weekend with Formella getting two. So, um Really good stretch right now uh, on a busy week and, and, and really important, I think, for Sacramento to make that run when they did. So I think they're in good position right now. I mean, nine points in, in seven days, arguably the biggest week of the season with all three teams in Group A. I kind of said it last week on the podcast. I was curious if, you know, we had heard early on that this team can score, this team can score, this team can score, and we just haven't seen it. So I was thinking maybe this team is just really good defensively and they win these low-scoring matches. Well, I was completely wrong because we saw Saturday this team, as we talked about before we started recording, when the floodgates open, kind of how they did on Saturday, um, they can be incredibly, incredibly tough to defend. And uh, with the three goals, I mean, you can just see – and really they could have had four or five um, if a couple go their way. So uh, very excited to see the, the attack for the Republic come together. Yeah, it's kind of interesting too. I think when the, um, when the break – we came back from the, the break um, – you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the big question mark, at least in my mind, was was the back four. You know, Barahona that went down, and um, and more or less they started this uh, this this most recent stretch with with three in the back, right? Where they're trying to experiment, try to figure out what they can do in the back to deal with you know the left back loss of, of Barahona. You know, due to bring somebody else in and and play a you know not an ideal position for them, and um, ended up. So as my, the point I'm making is, I think defensively, that's where I think I thought the questions right. and the struggles would have come from. But here we are, you know, a couple weeks into it, and I think, like you said, it's been it's been opposite. Uh, the, the struggles come on the attacking end, whether or not they were not creating chances or not finishing their chances. Um, that's where the issues were, and defensively, they've looked really, really good. I think there were some shaky moments with the back three, and then they scrape that idea, went to the back four and, you know, have a couple different players playing positions they're probably not typically used to with Ash and you have Mahoney coming in playing, you know, right back. Um, you have uh, guys flipping from the left side to the right. So, so it's been a bit of a, um, an interesting stretch here now that we're back post COVID where who'd have thought that the, uh, the front four, the front five would be the guys that we'd be kind of questioning at this point in time. Well, and it kind of is a perfect time to talk about this because, in my opinion, probably the best match of the year thus far, most complete match, the goal they gave up, just kind of – they didn't really mark uh, Rodgers uh, on, the, on the corner and kind of came in untouched. But other than that, defensively, the Republic looked good as well as we've seen the last, what, four matches, the first goal given up in four match or in three matches, excuse me. And it was really – it seemed the guys played with more intensity in the first half and more focused on – um, keeping possession and then looking up the side. I mean, Roro back obviously was a huge, huge factor. He basically created those first two goals with a great ball to Cam and then a great ball to Villian. So what, what did you see difference-wise for Sacramento that kind of resulted in better quality chances in there for the goals? 
Yeah, I think it looks like Roro's kind of, I agree with the comment, him coming back in. I think he hit a stride and, and a player with his ability with the ball at his feet and, the, uh, you know, not, not taking players on 1v1, but his, his passing and his passing range is something that if he does, if, if he's able to, uh, to get the ball at his feet a lot, I think that there's going to be opportunities that present itself. And we saw it this weekend. So I think it's Roro being back on the pitch, Roro getting the ball at his feet in those uh, dangerous areas where his shoulders are facing the goal. And then finally, I think guys like linking up well with, with Roro. You know, he came back. He's In reality, this is really only his, what, fifth game back since he came back Sacramento, maybe mm-hmm. maybe fourth or maybe sixth. But um, I feel like the guys are now kind of starting to um, to really understand how to run off of Roro and use his, um, his assets, which is his passing. Um, and the guys did a really good job of linking up, timing the runs well, and Roro obviously being able to put those balls on a – on a silver platter for those for the strikers um, was uh, finally paid dividends um, this past weekend. And I thought that the unselfishness as well was a huge factor. I mean, Villian Bijev dumping it off to Cam for him to get his 50th was incredible. Um, also a great play. Also, I mean, Cam had an open goal. But we saw it in the second half as well as Republic were trying to add to their lead. Cam passed up on a couple of shots and let others take better looks. Um, and, and I think I'm curious just to hear what, what your opinion is on how you think the unselfishness plays a factor in now Sacramento starting to figure out the attack and figure out how they can score a little bit easier. Yeah, I'll start. The first part of that question I think we should talk about is, is, is Bijev with the, um, his ability to find Cam on that breakaway. Cam's kind of a little bit behind him. You'd like to think that, that Bijev with his vision, he should be able to find Cam, but is a great job of, of realizing that Cam, one, is behind him and trailing the run and working right. hard to get up in the attack with Bijev to support him. But also there's no defender that's really surrounding Cam or running with Cam. So I think a really smart play by Bijev, who's, in my opinion, a really, really important player. When he's on, I think the attack is, is, is really pumping on all cylinders. And he forces people to look at him rather than look at Cam or look at, you know, any other attacking player. So great to see Bijev get himself involved and be very unselfish um, in that position because it's so easy just to get blinders on and think one thing, and that's how am I going to beat the goalkeeper. But for him to have the ability and composure – to find Cam, I think, was was a really, really um, – was a great play. And then selfishness, man, sometimes it's it's a double-edged sword. Sometimes you have your strikers being too unselfish and not mm-hmm. taking chances. Um, but in these instances, I think over the last – you know, especially the last game, I think the, the opportunities for players to be selfish, and when they weren't, they were unselfish and led to pretty good play. So you like to see that if you're looking from, you know, a coach's perspective or a manager, manager's perspective where – yeah, if those if those situations go a different way, and, and you know maybe that ball BJ plays Cam isn't uh, the the right weight, or if there is a defender that's tracking back, and Cam may may not have a good opportunity on goal, um, it's a different conversation completely. Where you you're telling your guys be more selfish, man. You're one on one with the goalkeeper, make a move, drop your shoulder, and, and make your de- de- decisive decision and try to put the ball in the back of net. So I think right now though the the unselfish play in that in the box specifically has been been kind of nice and refreshing to see from the republic because chances are being created from them and we talked about it a little bit earlier you mentioned it asha Pollen playing a different position than he's ever played at left back and especially this last match he made two or three uh moves with his feet with the ball at his feet and a part of the build-up where he beat his defender 1v1 went around him then found roro and that kind of broke down the entire defense and i mean how much of an advantage is that to have someone like Ash on as left back, who's getting much better defensively, as we know, but also has that ability to break down defenders. Yeah, I think it's a really challenging position playing left back or right back. Any any outside outside back position, in my in my opinion, and I said this before, you're essentially on an island. You get the ball delivered to you from a center back, 
and you really have uh, much uh, more limited options. You've got the sideline right behind you typically, right? So you, you're looking in front of you and it's pretty predictable. So I think what's been great to see what, what Ash has done over the last five or six games playing this new position. You know, the guy's like, he's a winger. He's not, right. he's not an outside back. You've seen wingers sometimes transition to these positions. Um, so it's not completely uncommon because he is used to playing out wide. But with the ball at his feet, what I think he's done, done a much better job of, of, of calming himself down when he does get himself in situations. And he's got the athletic ability to take players on. But you got to pick and right, pick it, pick and choose the right moments. You can't be doing that every time because if you, if you get the ball nicked off you, then all of a sudden your your back three that's behind you now you're selling them out. So, I think his ability to pick his moments has been really interesting and has done. Um, he's looked really comfortable on the ball, and you're right. He had a couple moves where he was able to break down a little bit and get into that midfield, and 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 break down that line, that striker line, and then mm -hmm. find an entry pass into somebody with good weight. And then all of a sudden, it kind of changes the look and dynamic for that person on the ball, whether it's Roro or it's a Jaime or whoever it is. So it's great to see him being able to pick his moments at the right time. And then also, I think defensively, he's finally kind of um, – not finally. He's still got a long way to go, in my opinion, but everybody does. These guys are all, all striving to be better every week. I think Ash um, is settling in more at that left back role defensively. And I think that just comes with communication with who he's playing with, right? You, you, know, you know, who's playing next to, which is Hayden. Hayden's a young guy. Yeah. He's, Hayden's got the responsibility now of kind of trying to reel an Ash opponent who's, you know, an outright up and down striker who just likes to run. Mm -hmm. So um, a challenge for Hayden Sargis, especially being a young guy. So, um, but, but I think, like I said, they've, they settled in nicely here in the last week specifically. Well, um, I know. Ash I yeah, Mark Briggs, I know on, on Saturday, he's been very vocal with Ash because he was, uh, especially in the, in the first half, yeah, he was right next to him. Right? Yeah. yeah, so he's talking to him constantly, almost, I mean, pretty much the whole match as basically helping Hayden out uh, as the 12th man on the field, essentially. So good to, see, good to see Ash getting improving on that position. I know switching from a winger to, to a left back or an outside back has got to be such a tough transition for him. You have to basically forget everything you've learned. But we've still seen him make some plays, especially with his feet. Um, and showing off a little bit. I mean, he's, he's very talented with the ball at his feet, so hopefully we see that continue. Uh, but I want to also ask you about Drew Scundrich. Um, I felt like he was kind of the guy bringing a lot of energy in this match, and we know he kind of does it all year. He's the workhorse. He does a ton of running up and down the field. Um, and, I mean, what kind of like, impact does that have on the rest of the guys, knowing you have your midfielder just flying up and down the field ready to come up on the attack, but also being able to sprint back on defense. Yeah, I think you, you nailed the, head, the, the nail on the head there with, with what he does well. He's just his, his work rate and the ground that he covers is really, I mean, honestly, second to none in, in the USL and or MLS and or other leagues. Like, I just think the guy, his, his, it's a wow. nonstop energy, box to box. And it's not even like traditionally, you know, me growing up, it was, you know, 18 to 18, right? Mm -hmm. that's, that's the box to box sort of player that you want your, your midfielder to be. But he's even deeper. He's like six yards to six yards. So, I mean, like, he, he's getting that much more um, run in, and he's still able to last for a full 90-minute shift. But, you know, obviously that's really important for, for uh, any team to have that sort of workhorse in there. But what I think it does for Sacramento specifically, it, it allows other players around him to be a little bit more creative and probably take some more chances going forward, whether it's a row or a Jaime or a Cam or a, a Formella. You know that you're going to have some cover um, and or another body up in that final third with with um, Scundrich make, making those runs. So I think the one thing you don't see that on paper is, is and I hope the players can, can feel this, but it looks like from my perspective, 
they have the ability to take a little bit more uh, uh, risks and creative chances in the final third, knowing that you got your workhorse behind you that's going to go break up and win that 50-50 ball, hopefully the ball turns over. Yeah, and I think that's exactly, you said it perfectly, the 50-50 balls on the turnovers, because a lot of times on the counterattacks, Drew is sprinting back, and sometimes the opposing team doesn't necessarily see him, and I feel like he got five or six interceptions that way um, on Saturday, uh, so it's, it's pretty invaluable for him. And I want to ask a little bit about the development of the press. We've seen him, obviously, Republic using it sometime um, rather than others, and with the heat on Saturday, it felt like it was 115 during the match but they still executed it beautifully. I mean, I feel like we're seeing more and more turnovers caused or caused, excuse me, by the, by the press. And I mean, what have you seen in the development and how they've been able to get more turnover? Yeah, I think Mark, Mark Briggs, coach Briggs has been, been pretty vocal on that. He wants his team to be, you know, high pressure step, put teams under pressure in the back four. And I think a Tacoma team that typically likes to play out of the back and you got younger guys on that team. Right. So I think that, that the, the situation was perfect for a, a high-pressure game and really try to put Tacoma, um, put them under pressure early. Uh, but I think what, what's been good to see, and specifically this last weekend, I think you can take as a case study, is that finally guys are doing this as a – it's not a, you know, all-out, all full-on blitz. We're pressing every time that they have the ball and we're going to go. It's a very controlled um, sort of feeling press where it's, you can see the guys hunting in packs of three and four. And that's where you have the success. If you get guys hunting, hunting individually and or with, with two people, it's really easy to break those, those presses down. So it's great to see, you know, whether Formella starting the press or whether it's Cam starting the press or if it's uh, Belmar starting the press. Then there's the second wave right behind them of the guys that have the work rate, like a Scundrich and or a Villarreal. Um, so what I've, liked, what, I've, what I've really enjoyed seeing is how this has been a bit of a controlled, very methodical press and when they go they go in groups hmm. that's very interesting because I know early on we would see there a little bit of miscommunication and I, that's when the press would get broken down a little bit um, for the opposition okay I want to talk to a little bit about the heat on Saturday now I don't want to talk about it <laughs> to a certain extent because uh, it was it was insanely hot but as a player I mean you played an intense heat may I don't know about maybe that kind of heat but I'm sure you had instances in very very hot temperatures Tacoma coming from Washington, typically cooler temperatures, coming to Sacramento where it's hot. Republic initially seemed like they had way more energy. But to start the second half, that 45th to 55th minute, Tacoma seemed to have the energy. So how much do you think the heat has a factor? And as we look towards Saturday against Portland, it's also going to be a, va- a factor there. Is, yep. that, is that really important? Yeah, it, it is. But at the same time, you know, everyone's playing in the same conditions. And, you know, whether, you know, uh, uh, Tacoma being from the Pacific Northwest is it's definitely cooler than it is here in, in Sacramento. But um, so I think it's something to consider and think about. But at the same time, I don't put too much uh, credit on, to, you know, that's the reason why, you know, Sacramento did well or Tacoma did well. But I think your point in the 45th, 50, 55th minute when Tacoma kind of got their stride a little bit. You know, look back at the, the first game that they played to come like back at, you know, the 3-3 game where I think right. in that same sort of juncture in the, in the game, maybe the 50-55th minute, Tacoma really started to enjoy themselves. And, and you know, kind of a, a weird sort of coincidence maybe, but at the same time, you know, I don't know what, what kind of training these guys are doing, what the tactics are, but again, it looks like Tacoma's had the ability to feel the game out and almost give like a false sense of security to other, other teams, their opposition thing. And this is, you know, we're going to have, we're going to have our day. We're going to have a day here. We're going to enjoy ourselves. And then all of a sudden in the 45th, 55th ish minute, um, Tacoma has got the ability to collect the ball, retain possession. 
and really start to move and, and whether it's taken them that long to, to, to figure out how to dissect the opposition Tacoma, I don't know, but um, it, it's been interesting to see these past two games with Tacoma because in that, in that moment in the game, they really kind of found their stride and became more dangerous. And I know we talked about it. Uh, it's talked about on the broadcast. It's kind of the, the main piece that has been talked about in Sacramento the last couple of weeks with Republic news. Rafa Diaz has been incredible in goal. I mean, truly incredible. He's been kind of the backup for the past three years. And, you know, you hear he's such a great teammate. He's always working hard. What have you seen from him from a goalkeeper perspective that for one of the reasons why he's been so good, or did we know that he had this in him? Yeah, I think, I think we've known he's had it in him, but at the same time, he's kind of been in, um, in, in difficult situations. Josh Cohen initially was the starting goalkeeper. Right. Obviously, Josh got so, – so Rafa's playing second fiddle to him. Josh gets sold overseas to, to Israel, and then um, everyone assumes that Rafa's going to be the guy for the rest of the season. And then on loan, Shuttleworth comes in right. and then uh, upserts him again. And then this year with, with the Republic going out in the open market and finding Greenwich, I mean, honestly, like, I got a ton of respect for, yeah. for Rafa Diaz for – for dealing with all those things over the last couple of years. I think it's so easy as players for, you know, one situation to not go your way. And, you know, you're kind of thinking that you should be playing. And then all of a sudden, you know, managers and, and technical directors and GMs go out and find somebody to, to fill that role for you. So I got a lot of respect for Rafa Diaz for sticking it out, working hard, you know, every week in training, even talking to the goalkeeper coaches uh, for the last two years that worked with, um, that worked with those guys, Simon Shepard, you know, he's like, Dude, you know, keep an eye out for, for Rafa Diaz. If he gets this chance, um, he's going to take it. And I think the one knock that I had on him was just distribution. And yeah. uh, everything else was, you know, uh, shot stop ability, um, you know, presence coming in in the air. Um, but I think his, his distribution out of the backs looked really good over the last three games or it hasn't been, been at all any, anywhere near liability. So, man, him coming in and needing to make big saves and big moments and big games. Um, he has absolutely answered that call and, um, you know, uh, nothing but, but kudos and, and high fives for him because it's been really, really important for Sacramento at, a, at the right time for him to come in and make some big saves and games. Oh, he's been absolutely huge. And one thing I did see is uh, Sacramento's, it had been in like over 500 minutes since Republic has scored a non-PK or own goal. Um, so when Formella did score that goal, I actually was sitting right in front doing uh, – PA I was typically you know when you guys call a game and that there's a goal score there's a fan that jumps up you know to celebrate but with no fans I'm the one sitting there so I just I went back and watched it and I saw myself celebrate because it had been so long to see a yeah to see one in the back of the net but I mean how much relief is that for the guys who've you know we've talked about it the finishing has been a focal point um we've been lots of knocks you know from various media members about it we know felt like it was coming, but how much of a relief it can it be for the guys to, to finally get that first one and then three more after or two more after it? I, I think I, it, it, you can't understate how big a, of, a, of a goal that Formella goal was, the first one going in the back of the net, because um, it is a relief. You know, the players read the media, the players, you know, hear the media. So, so they're aware of the, you know, the struggles over the last couple of weeks. And um, it's one of those things too, like, do you talk about it in training? Do you really work on it? Is that a right. focal point for the last 30 minutes? No, you know, letting the guys basically know and fully understand, hey, we struggle with finishing, so we're going to work on it every single day. And then the pressure all of a sudden mounts on these strikers where, you know, if they, if they are recreating that situation or they get to a match and they're, they're in a position to score, maybe they get a little more tense and it's not as, as, as a, you know, organic or, you know, uh, uh, they might just just get a little bit um, out of whack at that moment. 
or do you go the complete opposite and not even discuss it, right? So I think there was a happy medium that Mark Briggs um, did in trainings and, and made sure that, you know, we let the guys know that, that definitely there's been some finishing challenges. Um, you're good players. You're here for a reason. Trust yourself. Trust your ability. And the goals will come. It's just a matter of time. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's a matter of fact. You got to think as a striker, every game, you're going to have probably three real good chances to get the ball in the back of the net. And if you believe that, then the rest should be okay. But um, I do think it had to have been a big weight off of Cam's shoulders, Belmar's shoulders, all the strikers, mm-hmm. all the forwards, all the attacking players, Sam Warner, everybody, to get that, uh, that goal in the back of the net that wasn't a penalty or an own goal. Well, I, I, I want to look a little bit into Group A. Uh, obviously, the last seven days, starting Saturday to Saturday, nine points in seven days uh, against three opponents, or opponents that you're competing directly against in Group A. And with the, the top of the table now really heating up, Reno has a game at hand tied with Sacramento 15 points. But the goal differential becomes a factor here because the team with a higher goal differential obviously gets the number one seed. And that matters because I don't think you want to play Phoenix Rising, who's at the top of Group B in the first round of the playoffs. They're, they're an incredibly tough team, and they're red hot right now. But in a weekend where you're going to play a Portland Timbers team that is minus, I think, 16 in goal differential, uh, you're playing them at home, you're hot. Is this an opportunity for Sacramento? Obviously, you want to get three points, but if you look more into it, you know maybe the floodgates open even more and close some, close some of the gap on the goal differential. Yeah, I mean, if, if, I'm, if I'm the staff, if I'm Mark Briggs and his staff, I'm not even talking about goal differential yet. I, I think, you know, you bring up a very, very good point. Of, you know, ultimately and eventually they're probably going to get to that point, but I think right now it's just, you know, we need to focus on three points every single game. Um, and if it comes down to a point where, you know, if we're fortunate and lucky enough to put three, four, five in on Portland, fantastic. But um, first and foremost, goal and, and target is to get three points going out there. But you're right. I mean, uh, facing Phoenix in the first round, um, it, it, it's, a, uh, it's not going to be a fun one, wouldn't no. be? Well, at least they might be a little more used to the heat after the last, uh, last couple of weeks. So It's a practice out there on the heat, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I wanted to ask you, I interviewed Todd Donovan, I don't know, the beginning of pandemic, so three, four months ago, and we talked about how you guys were traded for each other. And I asked if you guys talked to each other about it. He said, maybe you guys have mentioned it once, but not that he can remember. My thing is, is I feel like nowadays, now that, you know, it's all said and done, I feel like you guys can talk trash about it and say, Hey, you know, my team got the better deal out of that. Can, yeah. can you tell, can you, can you do that with them? Oh yeah. We got a good relationship where we can joke. It, it was just a really, uh, it was a funny point. And, and I think both of our careers where, I mean, we essentially just like switched lives. Like I moved into his room in New Jersey and he moved into my room in, in uh, Toronto. Um, we've talked about it a little bit. We maybe even like exchanged, like he left his dresser. And I left my dresser. So I mean, just something silly like that, just back, you know, a, a decade ago, but um, no funny how our, our paths have crossed. Um, many, many times. I remember when I was getting recruited by his college coach, I heard Todd Dunamit's name every single week. And even my, my, my freshman year at school, I heard Todd, you got to do this because Todd did this. This is how Todd did that. This is how Todd played. So our, our careers have had a funny little arc together and then culminates with, a, uh, with us getting traded for each other. And Todd's career took a, a, a different, better trajectory than, than I did. I mean, he's got four or five championships, probably 300 games played. But um, funny how it's a small yeah. world, especially in the soccer community, where, you know, then Todd's now living here in, in Sacramento, my hometown, and right. GM for the club. So um, really cool. And I, I think I think it's a fun exp- – I look back on it fondly as a fun experience. I bet you, ultimately, just me, me being completely honest, um, Toronto got the better end of the deal. They got the top. <laughs> 
New York got stuck with me. And I don't think I had a very good year to finish either. So there was just some, not, not animosity, but there was just some, uh, you know, I think Jeff Agus, that might have been one of his last moves as GM was the trade for, yeah. for, for me. For, get rid of so anyway, that's just a funny story. I think I like to, to bring up because, I mean, what are the odds of that? Very, very yeah. slim. So you're calling the game on Saturday. Uh, are you, you are calling the game. Yeah. Cause you're, yeah. you're back, you're back this week. Perfect. So, I mean, what, what's the plan with the heat? I mean, it's, it was, I think one Oh six at kickoff. We were out there and uh, my, my polo was completely sweat through by the time game started. I mean, we, <laughs> what are we going to do? I don't, I don't even know. It was bad Saturday. It's going to be just as bad this next Saturday. Yeah, yeah, I think it, the the hard thing that for me as a player is is the humidity. So I think for for the first part, you know, the first time in a long time, I feel like Sacramento, there's been a bit of a, a bit of humidity in the air, and um, you just got to deal with it. You got to hydrate well during the day, um, and you know. So I played for about a year and a half in Houston, Texas. So I mean, this is the the weather Houston pretty much every day during the summer. Right. And um, when I ended up leaving. I went from Houston to Toronto. And then from that point on, I probably had like five more years in the league. I remember every year when the schedule came out, Connor, I would look, the first thing I would look at, when is that Houston, Texas? <laughs> and it better not be in August because if it's August, I'm going to be dreading that an entire year. Hopefully we catch them in, you know, October or, or right. March. So right. it, it's a thing you got you to gotta deal with and worry about. But I think the most important thing that these guys can do is get with the training staff and get with, with whomever is responsible for the nutrition and, you know, get your electrolytes, get your water, and, and be as prepared for a hot match. And really understand that it's going to be hot, and it's going to be a rough one, and um, everyone's going to have a hard time dealing with it. But how can you deal with it individually as best as possible? Because it is what it is. You're not changing the weather. I feel like I'm going to have to do a lot of that training prep just so I, I'm okay on Saturday. I don't know. About... Pedialyte. Bring some Pedialyte out there. You'll be yeah, good. that's exactly what we'll need. Man. It was hot on Saturday. It was, I mean, it didn't matter because we got the win, got three points, and that's what really mattered. But, no, it, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, uh, Kevin, thanks so much for coming on, man. I've been wanting to have you on for forever, and it's, uh, it's so good to talk to you. And I thought we'll hopefully do this every few weeks. And, uh, I mean, big match coming up Saturday. I mean, we, I didn't talk about the match on Saturday. What, what are you expecting to see Sacramento? Are you looking for them to build on their momentum from this, uh, this past couple weeks? Yeah, building on momentum, you had, you had three games in about seven days last week, so it's good to kind of get yourself off the, the you know, the gas, so to speak, where you can take the week, a, a slow week to, you know, get your regen going and then get your guys, get, get Briggs and get his squad back going, you know, to peak at the right time on Saturday. So you get a full week, get a full seven days to prepare for this. So I'm expecting these guys to come out firing on all cylinders. There shouldn't be any issues in terms of, of heavy legs or, or fitness problems. It's just a matter of how can Briggs and his staff keep these guys as sharp as they were on Saturday? So I think that's going to be, if I'm, if I'm Mark and his, his staff this week, I'm thinking about, you know, sharpness, quickness, and, and get these guys ready for a hot one come, uh, come Saturday. It's going to be a lot of fun going for four straight. That would be incredible. Incredible. Be Kevin Goldthwaite, thank you so much. We'll catch you on the broadcast this Saturday, 8 PM, KKCA, my 58 ESPN plus and also on Australia TV. Kevin, thank you so much, my friend, and uh, we'll see you out on the heat on Saturday, huh? Yeah, that's right, man. I'll bring my Pedialyte. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Thanks, brother. Take care. Thanks.